Psalm 150 Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with trimble and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Revelation 22 verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. If I, if I haven't met you before, my name is Jack. Uh, I'm, the, uh, I'm a student minister here at Trinity Grove, um, and a very warm welcome to everyone this morning, especially on this kind of slightly um, chilly morning. Uh, before we get into things, how about I pray for us, and then um, let's look at what the Bible has to say about worship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God who speaks to us, uh, that you speak to us through your word, and thank you for this time we have now um, to hear from your word and to learn from it. I pray that you grow all of us in our knowledge and understanding of who you are as our God uh, and what it means to live lives that worship and bring glory to you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, last week, as Tim said, we began this really short two-week series on worship. Um, now, just to, to, to recap for those of you who weren't here, um, and f- well, for everyone else as well, I don't know if you're like me and you kind of have, I, I tend to forget things, so it's good to, you know, do a bit of a recap. Um, last week, we, we looked at the question, what is worship? Uh, we thought through this question, uh, what is worship? What, what do you live for? What does your heart yearn for? And we looked at the Israelites in a book of the Bible called Exodus in chapter 32, we looked at what their hearts yearned for and how that impacted the way that they lived. I see the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt uh, for, for a long, long time, been oppressed uh, and they'd, they'd been, been through hardships uh, as they'd been enslaved in Egypt. Now God heard his people crying out to be saved from this slavery and he acted. He raised up a leader called Moses who led his people out of slavery. He led them out and no one could doubt that it was God who had rescued them. As we read in Exodus chapter 8, the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, who was the leader of Egypt, and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. See, God rescued his people in order that they may worship him. And we left last week having been reminded of what true worship is. Worship is the God-enabled response that brings all of someone to respond to God. That means not just with part of their life, but with all of their life. Not just a Sunday morning at church, 
but every day, every minute of every hour of every day. Now, the Israelites got that horribly wrong. You see, the first chance they got, they turned from worshipping God, uh, obeying God, living lives for God, as they'd promised, and they bowed down to a golden calf made from melted gold. And so this revealed a much bigger problem uh, for the Israelites than just slavery to the Egyptians. So it revealed this big problem that they were slaves to their own sinful desires. As we talked about last week, that means desires that weren't placed in God, rather desires that were placed in things of the world, in created things, seeking to live without God as their rightful ruler, king, but worshipping themselves instead. But we were also reminded that just as he rescued the Israelites from slavery to the Egyptians, he also rescues us. But he rescues us from that slavery to sin. The same problem that the Israelites had, we have. But God saves us from that. He enables us to know him and be in a relationship with him. See, worship is the God-enabled response that brings all of someone to respond to who God is. And worship is our response to God. It's not just spending a Sunday morning at church, you know, listening to a sermon, praying, singing some songs and touching bass with the other people here. Uh, Worship is life. So this morning we're taking the time to think about what it means to worship our God together. And we're going to be looking specifically at the role that music plays in our church, uh, but more than that, the role that singing plays. Uh, I grew up uh, in a church family, and you may have had a, a similar experience to me, but um, I kind of have always, or I used to always kind of take take singing for granted. I'd rock up to church and we'd start singing some songs randomly, uh, and I'd just think, yeah, this is just what we do on a Sunday as, as part of the service. You know, it, it breaks up the sermon, it breaks up the prayers, and um, it makes sure that we don't all, you know, fall asleep during the service, so that's that's why we sing, that's why we have music. It felt, you know, a bit like tradition. Christians have sung for thousands of years, so let's let's just keep that habit going. We'll keep we'll keep doing that. This is kind of my my perspective on singing in church. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, or um, or maybe for you, singing and music in church, maybe it's just something you kind of tolerate because other people really enjoy singing, really enjoy music, and you just kind of stand there and kind of tap your shoes and wait for it all to be over. I don't know wherever you are today with the way you think about singing in church. We're thinking about how music in church is one way that we should all worship God together. Music in church is one way we should all worship God together. Um, Now, I just want to acknowledge before we move on that you might actually be here this morning and this might be um, your first visit to a church, the first time uh, you've ever heard people just standing randomly and singing. You might be asking, wow, this is kind of weird, why why are they doing that? Well, it's a good morning for you to be here because this is what what we're thinking about. Hopefully, we can answer that question for you. Uh, And who knows, a bit later on, maybe you'd like to join in singing as well after we think through why we sing and why we play music here at church. So the first point uh, on your outline there, music and worship. So music is something, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say, that affects all of us on some level. Uh, some of us may be more than others, but it's something that affects all of us because music has this great ability to stir the emotions. The music, it makes us happy, it can make us sad, reflective, uh, it can make us even angry or relaxed or energised or motivated. Music makes us feel things. 
Music is emotional and it affects us deeply. Uh, probably the, uh, the most famous musician that will pop up in the Bible is King David. Now, David, before he, played, uh, before he was king, he played music for a guy called Saul, who was the king before him. See, 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells us that King Saul was plagued by an evil spirit, that he would get violent, that he would get angry. And the only thing that would calm him down was when David played music for Saul. It would ease his soul, he would feel relief, he would feel better as he heard that music. And for all of us, I think it's accurate to say that music does affect us. It does affect our emotions because music is an emotional tool. So music is emotional. Music is also uh, memorable. Uh, I was in the car the other day with my niece. She's just turned two years old and she loves listening to this ABC Kids CD that we have in the car at the moment. She sits there quietly most of the time just kind of listening to, to the music. Uh, but sometimes she sings along to the songs that come on. Um, now, we were listening to a song about frogs the other day, and I'm about to embarrass myself, but hopefully a few of you know it. It goes, um, you know, the, the end of it's like, you all know frogs go, la-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-da. It's like a few of you know it. That's good. All right. We all know frogs go, la-di-da-di-da. Well, mm-hmm, some of you are thinking, scratching your head, is that true? Um, well, <laughs> we were listening to that song in the car on the way home, and then we got home and we were playing with some toys. Uh, we're playing with some toys. We're having, you know, a bit of a deep and meaningful, me and my, my two-year-old niece. Uh, we had a little toy frog, and I asked her, I said, Evie, I looked at her really seriously. I said, Evie, what noise, what noise does a frog make? She looked up at me, and straight back she said, la-di-da-di-da. And I went, yes! <laughs> kind of. Um, but she remembered the song. We all know frogs go, la-di-da-di-da. Music is memorable. It helps us to remember things. When I was growing up, uh, I'd listen to a guy called, most of you will know this guy, Colin Buchanan, right? Uh, great songwriter. Um, if I were to say, uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. Exactly. <laughs> Music is memorable. We hear songs and it helps us to remember things. In this case, scripture. It's great. So... Uh, <laughs> So music, I was really hoping that would work. Um, music is emotional, it's memorable. So then when it comes to singing in church, well, we want to combine this, this awesome gift with an even greater reality. Because Christians, well, we have something really incredible to sing about. Uh, there's a book I read recently by someone called Bob Coughlin, who's from the States. He's a really great musician, a great songwriter. Um, he wrote a book called True Worshippers. Uh, in this book, there's this quote. It says, Worship of God should always involve the emotions. How can we praise a holy God who has redeemed us without getting emotional about it? But what should move our emotions is not the sonorous tones of the organ or the insistent beat of the drums, but the mind's apprehension of truth about God. And he goes on to say, in summary, that Truth transcends tunes. See, we sing songs in church that reflect the incredible truths that we read in Scripture. It helps us respond emotionally to uh, a God who loves us. It helps us to remember who He is as His Word reveals. 
But as we just read, music always remains secondary to the truth. See, it's not just the truth that stirs the emotions. It's the amazing, uh, sorry, it's not just the music that stirs the emotions. It's the incredible truth that we are singing about. Truth about who God is, about his character, about what he's done for us through his son, Jesus. Music's a great tool that God has given to us to reflect on and to proclaim the truth. After the Israelites uh, were redeemed from slavery to the Egyptians uh, in chapter 14 of the book of Exodus, well, the first thing that we're told that they do after being rescued out of slavery, they don't just chill out and relax. Uh, They don't just talk about, you know, such a close call with the Egyptians and do a play-by-play of what happened. They don't start planning out the trek to the mountain where they're going to meet God. The first thing that we learn that the Israelites do in chapter 15 after being rescued from slavery is sing. And remember that quote, uh, how can we praise a holy God who has redeemed us without getting emotional about it? Well, the Israelites get very emotional about it. I won't read all of it, but from Exodus chapter 15, uh, from verse 1, it says this, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is, he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And further down, they continue on. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The Israelites sing and they sing of the truth of God. They sing about what God has done. They sing of his power and his might, his glorious deeds and wonders. They sing of his steadfast love and the fact that there is no one else like our God. And they sing of the great salvation he brings to them as he rescues them. There's so many reasons for the Israelites to sing of God just in that one chapter of the Bible. And notice, the Israelites do this together with one raised voice. Music enables us to praise God and proclaim the truths of Scripture that he's revealed to us, and we do that together. Uh, There's a book in the Bible, uh, the book of Psalms, and this provides a massive collection of songs that are all about God, that are in response to God. I mean, there's psalms that are of lament. There's psalms for for hard times, for good times. Psalms of thanksgiving to God. Psalms of praise to God for salvation. Uh, Psalms that are all about his wondrous deeds and who he is and how he acts in his creation. Psalms that were written thousands of years ago that were sung um, back then, that were sung in the New Testament by the early church and the same truths of which we're singing about today. Now, Psalm 150 that uh, we read out at the start raises a few points for us. The first being that praise is always in response to God. Those first few verses, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise is always in response to God in who he is in how he acts. So we praise God. Secondly, uh, praise God creatively and musically. See all the different instruments that are used in those verses. The harp, the clashing of cymbals, the trumpet, 
even dancing. Praise God creatively and musically. Thirdly, it's the call of everyone to praise God. That final verse, verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. For those of us here today uh, who call ourselves Christians, this is a pretty common thing um, for us to hear. It's not news. Uh, if anyone here would not call yourselves a Christian, well, do you hear the invitation in those words? Hear the invitations of the Psalms to join in praise of God. See, Christians sing because of the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, as we said before. That it's through Jesus that we've been rescued or redeemed from that slavery to sin and given new life with him. This is why we sing. Because we can know God. Because we're in a relationship with a God who loves us. I don't know what kind of mindset you've had coming here uh, this morning, but there is nothing more important than thinking through the question of where you do stand with God. So this is a question... Um, you'd love to, to, to think through, or you are thinking through, we'd love to think through that with you. Christians sing because we are saved, because we know God, and we'd love for you to be able to join in with that. We'd love to talk to you about what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus and who he is. So come up and have a chat to me, or I can fill out in the communi- uh, communication card if you're interested in finding out more about him. But it's the most important question that you will ever think through in your life, so take the time to think through it. Our music is emotional, it's memorable, truth transcends tunes. So we use music to worship God by singing of who he is and responding to who he is emotionally. So then, why do we do this together? Why don't I just stay at home, why don't I just sing and use music to worship God uh, when I'm by myself? Point two on your outlines, worship and church. Uh, one of the things that needs to be pointed out, I think, is that we all enjoy listening to different styles of music. Now, style of music can be such a big contributor even to someone's decision to join a church. It's something that's even caused divides in churches. <clears throat> um, I remember I was the first pl- person to play drums uh, at a traditional church service that was used to always only uh, playing the organ and singing along to someone playing the organ. And then I came in um, and like really big, loud clashing of the cymbals. I don't like playing the drum the drum softly. I'm not very good at playing the drum softly. I should probably say it like that. Um, but I've honestly, I've never been more terrified in my life. Um, these people who are used to just listening to the organ have this, this young guy. At that point, I had like a bit of an afro going on. I thought it was pretty cool. It looked like a bit of a mushroom. But this guy I was sitting down the drum kit and I was hitting it really loudly. The music was you know, completely different to what they were used to. I thought I was going to get booed out of there and never welcome back again. You know, you can actually look at some people, and as I was hitting the snare, I could see them kind of wincing as well. It would be like, wince, wince, wince. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, strange, but <laughs> I um, they didn't actually, they didn't boo me out of there. They didn't, they didn't run me out of there. I actually learned something really valuable from that congregation of worshippers. Was that music ministry in a church uh, is a word ministry. Music ministry in a church is a word ministry that involves everyone. That means that it's shaped, as every ministry area in church should be shaped by, uh, by God's word, the Bible. And the Bible says about scripture and music 
that they play an integral part together in a community of believers. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, it should pop up there on the screen, says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in thought, uh, whether sorry, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Music ministry is a word ministry, and it's something that we're all involved in. Uh, some of us uh, have the ability to play instruments and to sing and do so from the front. Um, we've got a great team of musicians who serve faithfully uh, on Sundays here. But the purpose of musicians being up the front is always, is always so that the main instrument is enabled to burst forth in song. That main instrument being you guys. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself being involved in music ministry this way, but it kind of makes any music that comes from the front redundant if the main instrument, being the unified voice of the congregation, if that's not being enabled. Because worshipping together means that we're not just singing between myself and God, but we're singing as a way of serving and loving the person right next to us as we share in this great message of the gospel. Now this is something that the congregation that I played drums for the first time was well aware of. They had a really sudden and, and somewhat confronting shift in musical style, kind of just thrust upon them um, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, and for the majority of them, well they sang, and they sang loudly. Because the word of Christ dwelt amongst them and they sought to use these songs as a means of reinforcing gospel truths and proclaiming the truth of Christ to one another and to anyone who could hear them. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I, uh, I said that music is memorable and used that Colin Buchanan example before. Uh, well, the early church, they didn't have Bibles to just pass around freely to one another. Music is memorable. Scripture was sung to be remembered, to build one another up. And before the printing press became available, made it possible for people to get their own hands on a Bible, um, while education levels were low, people couldn't actually read, or a lot of people couldn't read, people learnt Scripture by singing it and memorising it that way. It's a great gift that God's given to the early church to remember and respond to his word together when they didn't have access to his word. What an even greater gift it is to us today who have free access to the Bible to be able to sing what we know as the word of Christ dwells amongst us. See, we sing together to respond to who God is by singing the truth of scripture and by doing so, we serve one another by proclaiming his great truths. I made the comment last week that worship is other person centered. And that's what we see here in Colossians. So we seek to build one another up under God as we respond to Him together. And we do so by the Word of Christ dwelling amongst us. By as a church being grounded in Scripture. 
Music ministry is a word ministry and we're all involved in it. There's a reason that we don't have uh, a title here of worship leader at, at Grove. We, are, we have music leaders, band leaders, we have song leaders, but no one who's called the worship leader. Because for us, we, we think that worship is, is bigger than music. And we want to make that distinction well known. Worship doesn't just involve music. I think that's a common um, misconception that, that gets around the place. See, worship is the call of all of us to live solely for God. As we were reminded last week in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, Paul the Apostle writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your true and proper worship. Worship is how we live our lives, day in and day out. So to say that someone is a worship leader we don't think that's a helpful title for us to use here. Now, that's not saying any other church that uses that title is completely wrong and there's something wrong with them. But we think here for us, it's important to distinguish. Worship is all of life. Every minute of every hour of every day, we are called to worship God with our whole lives. Now, music ministry, uh, being a word ministry means that we try to be so, so careful about the songs that we do sing, the songs that we sing together. So we want to sing songs that are true biblically and theologically and that stir the affections of all of us to want to worship God with all our lives. Uh, now, I just want to say, I know that everyone has different musical preferences. <clears throat> we don't all have to love the same music, listen to the same music, or love the same musical style. We want songs that bring glory to God, though, and songs that reflect the truth of Scripture. So if you thought of songs that bring glory to God and reflect the truth of Scripture that you think we could sing as a church together, um, say something about it. I'd love to hear those songs. A number of you have already done that, and we've sung some great songs that some of you have, have found and recommended that we've been able to sing, that reflect who God is and tell of his character and his great love for us. And it's been awesome getting emails from people with those songs. So if you have ideas or songs you'd love to sing that you think would bring glory to God, would build up uh, us as a church, please send those in an email or just come up and chat to me. Because it'd be great for us to be able to work together in that way. See, music is a word ministry that we're all involved in together. Now, I think it's an important point now to bring up something I didn't really talk about last week. But as we think about worship and, you know, worship being a God-enabled response that brings all of someone to respond to God, we need to recognize the huge part that the Holy Spirit plays in enabling us to do that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20 on the next slide says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if worship is to be our whole lives, if those lives are to be lived for God, uh, well, we really do need his help. Because as we saw last week in Exodus 32 with the Israelites, Our hearts have this habit of turning away from God and seeking after other things. We need him to reveal himself to us and show us the way. 
And we need reminding again and again that it is because of God's free gift of grace that we're saved, not because of our actions. God's gifted us with his indwelling spirit. It shapes us to be like his son Jesus. We're told in Ephesians chapter 1 that it's the seal that makes our inheritance in Christ secure. And here in Ephesians uh, that we've just read in chapter 5, Paul is making the point not to allow anything else to take control. You know, being drunk makes you do stupid things. So Paul is saying to the Ephesians, instead of being filled with something that's going to distract you and take your mind off God and make you do possibly really stupid things, be filled with the Holy Spirit that will enable your heart and your whole being to be pointed to God. So anyone could rock up at church and could convincingly sing and make it look like they're a Christian. But read verse 19 with me again. Uh, It says, Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. See, people who worship God don't just do so in action, being, being seen by people, but it's through the Spirit's enabling them to do so truly with their hearts tuned into God and not the things of this world. Because God looks at the heart of a worshiper. He doesn't just listen to the sound coming out of someone's mouth. Um, if you think of yourself as someone who doesn't have a very good voice, um, well, God isn't just not really just listening to your voice. See, he's more concerned with your heart and what's going on there more. See, so if you think of yourself as someone who doesn't have a very good voice to sing with, um, just sing. And sing loudly. Because when you sing, it's not the tone of your voice that will really pick at the heartstrings of the person next to you. Remember we said truth transcends tunes. It's the truth about God as you sing that will stir the affections of yourself and those around you. Remember, worship is other person-centered. We sing in response to God as we praise his name and seek to exalt him in our hearts. And we seek to build one another up as the word of Christ dwells amongst us. Finally, we sing also because we want others to hear about God too. Remember that as we sing the truth about God from songs that are grounded in Scripture, that someone might actually be hearing the gospel for the very first time. Uh, The first song we sang this morning, Come Praise and Glorify, second verse says this, Come praise and glorify our God who gives his grace in Christ. In him our sins are washed away, redeemed through sacrifice. In him God has made known to us the mystery of his will, that Christ should be the head of all, his purpose to fulfill. This song is straight from Ephesians chapter 1. It speaks of the life that we can have with Jesus, of the fact that our sins are washed away because of what he's done for us. That takes us from being objects of God's wrath to being his children. It's a great message that we want to thank God for personally and and sing of and proclaim, isn't it? It's a message that we really want others to hear and respond to as well, of life with Christ. So sing, and sing boldly and sing loudly. Now, there's a couple of things as as we wrap up. Well, singing, it's not just for church on a Sunday. If, as Christians, we're called to live our whole lives as worship, uh, one of the ways that uh, music has been helpful to me in the past and continues to be helpful to me today um, is in listening to the songs we sing at church while I'm at home or while I'm at the car and, and singing along or picking up a guitar and just 
just playing the songs in my own quiet time. Uh, but if I am in the car, sometimes I'll crank up a, a song like This Is Amazing Grace uh, and just sing. It's great to rock up to a destination having just been reminded of God's grace in my life, the fact that I'm saved by Jesus. It's great getting out of your car and that being the first thought as you're stepping out the door to whatever you're doing. Now, I asked the question last week, if anyone's ever driven and gotten angry at the, the person in the car next to them, um, everyone put up their hand, I think, which was good. Um, well, if you're driving along and someone, you know, cuts you off or something, um, try staying angry at them while you're singing like Amazing Grace at the top of your lungs. Um, the two don't really mix. And if they do, that would be pretty, be pretty scary thing to watch. But um, <laughs> the two things, they just don't go together. Singing of God's grace and being reminded of his grace in your life while you're getting angry at someone because they made a stupid mistake in a car. Singing during the week privately helps remind us of gospel truths and spurs us to live lives devoted to God in worship of him. Now secondly and lastly, to wrap up, we've had two weeks to talk about a really massive topic and have really just brushed the surface of it. Uh, We've thought about what is worship. Uh, We've thought about what worship is together. Um, We've thought about music as worshipping God together. Also, we haven't talked about what it looks like to uh, to live in worship of God as we serve alongside together on the roster on a Sunday, or to open up God's Word together on a Sunday, or to pray together and worship God in that way. It's such a, a big thing to think about worship as it's life-encompassing. So keep thinking about what does it look like for me to worship God with all of my life, every minute of every second, of every hour, every second of every minute, every hour, you know what I mean, every day. Now, one of our readings today was from Revelation 22, the second reading. I'll read it out again. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. See, we worship God today with our gaze fixed on eternity. With our gaze fixed on the time where we will go to be with God and live in worship of him. Live where there is no more curse of sin, but we get to be with God and look on his face. So as we live today, we live with this great reality awaiting us. So as you keep thinking about what worship is and what it looks like to live life as a worshipper of God, have your gaze fixed on eternity. I'll invite the band up now. Uh, In a song that we're about to sing, we're reminded of the great unfolding plan of God to make it possible for us to be with him. As we look forward to, to, to hearing a multitude of voices in heaven lifted in praise of our glorious Redeemer. So how about I pray and then we'll stand and sing. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the great gift of music. Thank you that it stirs the emotions 
that it helps us to remember. Thank you that we can remember you as we sing and be reminded of who you are as our great God. You have acted on our behalf to save us from the curse of sin. Lord, thank you that you are a loving God who is worthy of all praise. We pray that you would help us to seek to worship you with all of our lives, not just parts of it, Lord, as we live every day in service of you. Amen.